Welcome to the Revenue Love Replacement Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Grossman. With us today is Matt Diamond. Uh, Matt is the Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy and Development and Managing Director of Fanbase at Learfield IMG College. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adam. It's good to be here. Appreciate you uh, taking some time to chat. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be great to let our audience know a little bit more about your background, particularly how you got to Learfield IMGs, particularly since you didn't necessarily start in the sports space. You know, you've moved into the sports space given your uh, past career. So it'd be great to learn more about your career journey to date. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I um, I appreciate it. It's been a fascinating journey. And, uh, you know, like, like, like many folks who end up working in sports, I started as a a lifelong sports fan, in particular a lifelong college sports fan, um, but didn't necessarily plan to have a career in sports. And so it, it's been fun to see how that happened. Um, so I'm originally from Oklahoma and went to the University of Oklahoma. And so proud uh, sooner and, uh, you know, grew up with a passion of college sports. But when I when I finished to graduate college, I started with a management consulting firm, McKinsey and & Company. And so I kind of did the let's leave Oklahoma for a little while and move to New York City. And so I went to work for New York. Uh, I went to work in New York City for McKinsey & Company uh, as a business analyst uh, in management consulting and, and really had a blast living in New York. Um, I made the decision at the time to go work for McKinsey because I had this misguided notion that whatever job you take right out of college, that's what you do for your whole life. And you know, so being from Oklahoma, you commit to, let's say, energy, natural gas or oil, right? Something with an energy or a lot of banking. And so the, a lot of the business majors that I knew with did one of those two things. And I did internships in both of those, but said, I don't know that I'm ready to go all in. And I had this idea that, like I said, it's 1950 and you go work for General Electric. <laughs> and, do. Um, and it's just not how the world works. And that's what I thought. So McKinsey for me was a little bit of a way to delay that choice. Um, in terms of what I actually wanted to do when you know I grew up, so to speak. And so I had a blast working at McKinsey, worked with a lot of different companies across a lot of different industries and types of problems. And I uh, had a chance with McKinsey to say, awesome, this is great. I'd love to go get an MBA and then come back to McKinsey after. So they've got a really great program for analysts to be able to go do that, um, have your education sponsored, and then come back to McKinsey. And so I did that. I went and got my MBA at Harvard and then came back to McKinsey, but moved to the Dallas office. So my, my wife is from Dallas, obviously closer to our family in Oklahoma, and gave me a chance to come back to McKinsey, get my education paid for, and do a job that I loved. Um, and so at McKinsey in Dallas, I, I spent um, you know, probably four and a half years before I came to Learfield Avenue College. And during that time, I increasingly started working with media and technology companies. And particularly within aspects of marketing and sales. So I did a lot of work related with kind of the commercial side of technology companies and of media companies. And as a part of that, um, I just became increasingly interested to see what would it look like to move from the management consulting side into the operator side. And, um, you know, we chat more about this at, at some point if helpful, but a little bit about me personally, I've got three young kids. And the lifestyle of management consulting and traveling can be difficult. And, and I think I found a, a really great way to manage that um, and was an amazing experience at McKinsey. But I started to say, I think there's maybe a different way that I think I'd like to get the career experience as an operator, as well as a little bit more predictable travel. And so um, I was one of those folks, like many outside of the sports industry, who had absolutely no idea who Leafield IMG College was. 
Um, I didn't understand the business of sports. You know, I'm two years in now, so maybe I'm just starting to understand it. Um, but I certainly didn't understand. I didn't know who Learfield was. I didn't know who IMG College was. I didn't understand the landscape of ticketing and e-commerce and all the different sorts of revenue generation. Um, and so I, I, I kind of ended up at Learfield very fortuitously in the sense of that I started looking for jobs and um, kind of exploring to see what was out there while I was really happy at McKinsey. And I got connected with a few of the executives at Learfield, um, a gentleman named Andy Rawlings, who is a kind of a legacy within the industry and um, you know, used to be Learfield's uh, chief revenue officer for a long time and has a great history with the company. Um, Temple Weiss, who's our current chief operating officer and our CFO, uh, and Rob Snyder, who's, our, who's my boss today and our, our chief strategy officer. And so I interviewed with those guys. I heard the vision for what they wanted to do for transforming these kind of two industry titans coming together to do something new and special and, uh, and had a chance to think through of what the vision could look like and, um, and got really excited once I learned a little bit more about the company. And here I am. Well, I think we want to drill in a couple of things you mentioned there. But the first things first is you, you mentioned you had not heard of Learfield IMG really before you started the interview and applying for jobs. And while many people in our audience will be familiar with Learfield, it probably is good to just provide kind of a baseline summary of who Learfield is, you know, a little bit of history of Learfield and kind of what you're uh, working on now, particularly at Learfield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Learfield IMG College, you know, I've, I've drank the Kool-Aid in the sense of that <laughs> I love the company and what we're doing and how we're transforming, but it is, it's got to be one of the most fascinating businesses in sports. And I, and I, I say that because, um, there's a if you think about the the company and how it's evolved and come together, its roots are in kind of sponsorship sales right? with what started at, at Learfield and ISP and host communications and you know all these organizations that you know folks if you you know you go back and you look from the 70s and on as the business has evolved some really great institutions um, with folks who helped really define what the industry looks like and since it's really grown into so much more of a true media and technology company. And so um, the way I kind of simply describe Learfield Energy College and, and the way that we work is um, it, we're a kind of college-centric, not college-only, but certainly college-centric um, sports, media, and technology company. And so kind of the large business lines that we work in are what most people think of the company as multimedia rights. And so that is, you know, not just the kind of legacy assets in the sense of, you know, broadcasts of games and on radio and signs in the stadium and tents and hospitality around the field um, and, and game day activation, but also leveraging the IP of the university for social um, uh, activations, for digital marketing and retargeting, connecting that IP with a known fan. Um, Kind of lots of ways that we represent athletics for their multimedia rights. So true partnerships to help the university capture the affinity of individual consumers with brands and match that together to drive and really help power the ecosystem of college sports. So that's what, that's our kind of first big big business line: multimedia rights. Our second big business area would be ticketing, um, and ticketing is not really just ticketing, but it's also development and it's also marketing associated with those ticket sales or with those donations. And so that's powered primarily by our, um, our industry-leading platform, Pacquiao, which is just a remarkable company 
um, as well as our business called Ticket and Seat Solutions. So Learfield Avenue College Ticket and Seat Solutions. Um, we've got a thing for long names, I guess, as a, as a business. But those two businesses uh, really work hand in hand on the ticket side to both provide the software and then provide the means and mechanisms to engage fans, um, to sell tickets and a variety of different models in which we work with universities to you know, power the ecosystem and then to also um, find ways to actually encourage fans to attend live games. And in many cases, as we've all seen over the past year, even virtual games. Um, so that's fun. So multimeter rights, ticketing. Um, the next one would be licensing. So licensing is, is powered by a business that's known as CLC, Collegiate Licensing Company. Um, it's got a long history in the space and really is what founded the space um, with Coach Bear, you know, with Coach, excuse me, Coach uh, Bear Bryant and Bill Battle and the legacy that has happened with CLC over the, the, the last decades. And so that business is all about kind of the physical or sometimes the digital representation of IP of a university. The classic example being a t-shirt, a coffee mug, um, you know, a branded cooler, anything that represents the university's IP on it. Um, universities obviously have brand standards. They want to make sure that um, they've got corporate social responsibility guidelines. And every time one of those products is sold, um, you know, the university receives a, uh, a royalty fee associated with that. So our licensing business really acts as the, the brand management for those universities and help connect them with licensees that produce products to help power that. Um, so multimedia rights, ticketing, licensing, and then the fourth and final one, the Gary, would really be the space of, of digital web um, mobile. And so that is primarily um, by our uh, powered by a combination of, of um, uh, business areas within our multimedia rights group and specifically by Sidearm Sports. So Sidearm Sports is the industry leader for official athletic websites and mobile apps. And so um, effectively, that that's a business led um, by Jeff Rubin, which is just, you know, again, one of the titans of the industries you think about who's created things um, and, and a really good friend. And so, so Jeff's team provides official athletic websites for, you know, over a thousand schools, like 1200 schools, something like that, um, as well as mobile apps for most of the large power five organizations. And so that's a direct way to engage with fans. Um, and it's been neat to see how those businesses, specifically on the dip, you know, digital web mobile have evolved um, as we find ways to, you know, leverage the power of data um, to really engage with fans. And so, you know, that's a, a bit of an overview of our company. It's complex in the sense, but I think it's one of the beautiful things about it is we get a chance to work. I mean, and in my role, I get a chance to work with a really broad landscape so that we're not a team ourselves, but the same way that a professional team gets to work with ticketing and licensing and media and all those aspects of sports business, we do all of that across our company. And that's actually my next question is, can you talk more about, you know, you talked about pretty much Learfield hits almost, if not every, almost every revenue stream and your role seems like it hits almost revenue stream that exists in the sports industry. Can you talk more about what you're doing in terms of how your teams work to help support all those different business lines? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's um, it, it's fun, and and one of the things that when I was leaving McKinsey and and going to do something new, one of the one of the wonderful things about management consulting is you get a chance to work on a lot of different problems, a lot of different industries or functions, and kind of depending on how you you follow your path, um, there's a lot of variety. And so one of the things that I was looking for in a new role was a chance to have a lot of variety because I think it's it's 
it's interesting to play at that level where you get to um, have impact on different initiatives. And certainly I may zoom in on something for a while, but there are other things that I'm, that I'm you know, continuing to push forward in, in the meantime. So I really wear two hats at Liverpool. The first is Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy and Development. And so that's, you know, kind of everything you might think it sounds, which often is murky in the sense of its strategy is often kind of has a little bit of a hand in everything. But it's effectively what I would say, helping um, run enterprise projects that are really important to our company. So one of those was data, which ended up with the launch of Fanbase, which we can go into as kind of the second part of my role, the other half. Um, but other things like name, image, and likeness, um, sports wagering, esports, those kind of hot topics across our company, um, finding ways to provide leadership in that, to, to you know, bring together all the right stakeholders um, across the, you know, our company as well as with external partners to really see what can we do in that space. Um, that corporate strategy development also includes things like M&A. So thinking, are there other pieces of, um, you know, other businesses out there, whether large or startup, um, that could make sense to be a part of the Learfield Energy College family. So vetting and having those conversations, um, divestitures, and is there something that, you know, we're no longer the natural owner for, and we think we've done what we can with it, and we, we should find someone else to take it, you know, that, that business unit to the next level. Um, and enterprise-wide partnerships. So obviously, you know, PACIO informs partnerships and Sidearm informs partnerships and MMR does, but in, in cases where there's something to say, hey, it might make sense for us to work together across a bunch of business units, that's a great area for corporate strategy to be involved in. Um, so I've got a great team that, that helps drive a lot of efforts in those area. And it's just really fun because we have, um, we've got amazing people at Learfield Avenue College and I love our culture. And so that part of the job lets me work with our business units, you know, quite frequently um, and just stay in touch with folks. Um, so the second part of my job is fan base. And so fan base is our data and analytics initiative um, that, really launched originally as a corporate strategy project. And so what Fanbase is, it's a data and analytics platform that takes first-party data from our multimedia rights partners um, from a variety of different sources. So ticketing, web engagement, mobile engagement, you know, um, MMR activations, you know, enter to win contests, those types of things, e-commerce data, pretty much any sort of data that the athletics department is, is um, collecting or even has in different places. We aggregate it into a, um, the school-specific data warehouse. We do um, kind of very, uh, you know, things if you're not within the data world sound funny, like deduping and appending and cleaning and aggregating um, in order to truly say, okay, if we've got an Adam Grossman and then we've got an, you know, an A period Grossman, is that two different people? Is that the same person? We try to find out more information about that fan in terms of the behavior of that fan and how they've engaged with the university as well as whatever kind of commercially available data that we can enrich that fan record with. And then we utilize that information to power solutions that our schools have entrusted to us. And so visualizing a dashboard, for example, of where fans live and what they're like and how you can segment down to the zip code level, or even more powerfully working with our partners and specifically with the amazing Pacula marketing team to say, how can we leverage that data to help you as a university reach the right fan with the right ticket offer? So, you know, the fan that's 24 years old and is fresh out of college and is not kind of well-established in their career, it just makes sense that they get a different ticket offer or they get asked to make a different type of development contribution 
than the 63-year-old executive who's well-established and has a higher capacity to give or higher capacity to buy premium tickets. Um, and so that I lead our, our product team, I lead our client success team, and really just everything that is fan-based, um, which has been a fun ride. We, you know, it, it, right at the beginning of COVID was really when we were launching that. I think a year ago today, we had about three partners on, on Fanbase, and today we've got 95. And so it's been uh, quite, quite a ride this last uh, 12 months to try to figure out how to um, meet that need in the space, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, obviously, when you're speaking data, you're speaking the language of this podcast. So we're always excited to talk about that in more detail. And, and we definitely will talk about that. But I did want to talk about the first part, uh, the first half, I guess, of your job on the corporate and strategy side. You mentioned three topics in particular, gaming, esports, and NIL. So how do you how do you think about that? Obviously, Learfield has to think about these issues as they're coming in, in the forefront. These are controversial issues, um, particularly when you're talking about university and colleges. So when you're thinking about enterprise level engagements like these, particularly ones that have high visibility, how, how do you think about that? How do you communicate that internally within Learfield and then across your university and colleges that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, what, what's um, what keeps it interesting is that these are um, you know, very quickly evolving topics, right? If you take the topic of, you know, sports wagering or gaming, the evolution of that the last couple of years with the professional leagues and maybe even some of the openness within college to consider that, that's evolved pretty significantly. If you even just look at, um, you know, some statements from the NFL a few years ago to the actions that are happening, there's, there's a lot of change. And um, I think we're all well aware of how many SPACs have formed and all the, you know, the success of the, the sports wagering businesses. And so, um, that's an example. NIL is maybe another great example where a few years ago, there, there really wasn't this public groundswell of support for let's bring, you know, monetization to athletes in college. Well, it's, you know, I, I, I don't say it's decided, but it, you know, public opinion has swayed. And I think the facts show this, that, um, the public is in favor of college athletes being compensated directly for their name, image, and likeness. And, you only need to look at the 39 states that have active legislation or past legislation. Um, that was the last count a couple of days ago. It may have gone up since. And six federal bills that are out there um, that will lead towards a resolution. Um, you know, and so in both of those situations, Learfield IMG College doesn't necessarily control whether a university will say, hey, we'd like to participate in, in sports wagering and have that be a monetization stream or we want to do X, Y, and Z with our student athletes for their name, image, and likeness. Um, but I consider us an industry stakeholder. And our goal in those situations is, um, as the landscape evolves, how can we be a good partner to the industry? And that may mean directly to the universities we work with. That may mean to student athletes or to brands that want to engage with the fans of our partner universities. And so um, it's a lesson in figuring out how to be nimble. Um, it's a lesson here how to be ready to quickly react and do a lot of scenario planning. If this bill passes, what are the implications and how would we respond if this one passes or um, if this is allowed by the NCAA or it's allowed by member institutions, how would we be ready to support? Um, and it's uh, it's also one of those, both of those topics and, and really even the topic of esports, they just involve so many great folks across our business that have, right. I, I'm again, relatively new to sports, but we've got tremendous talent across the company who have worked in the industry for decades, some of which have functional expertise across each of those areas as well from other um, stops along their career journey. And so trying, I think the real challenge is 
how do you harness the talent of the organization, the deep school partnerships we have, the deep brand partnerships we have to try to bring it together in a way that when something happens, and I think for at least both of those topics, wagering and NIL, it's a win, it's not an if. Um, and so making sure that we're ready for that. Yeah, that, that goes to my next question, which is how do you do that, right? I mean, you have a lot of member, you know, you obviously have a lot of partners that you're working with. There's, you know, each individual school will have its own needs, plus you have to balance that with the needs as Learfield as a whole. So how do you think about that, particularly given your, your role and all the things you're having to deal with, whether with these topics or just, you know, some of the other business lines you mentioned earlier? Yeah, well, one of the things um, that I really personally believe in, and I'm so thankful for the leadership of our CEO, Cole Gahagan, and how he believes in is that we view ourselves as an extension in many cases, especially for our multimedia rights, of the university. And so from a partnership standpoint, the way that we're structuring contracts, the way that we're working together and looking to advance, um, we're, we're an extension. And so the interests of Learfield Diamond College and the interests of the university should be aligned. And if they're not aligned, then we have to work together with the university to figure out how to align those because our goal is to help grow the brand, to increase engagement with fans, which then leads to monetization for all parties, is for better fan experiences, better monetization for the university, and then, of course, Learfield IMP College. And so um, I think in those situations and, and, and wagering and NIL are great examples, our goal is to say, hey, it's a really complex landscape. There are benefits to being a scaled organization that can have this bird's eye view across so many different university partners. That's a level of insight, a level of commitment to these topics that we can bring that is really hard to replicate when you work with a smaller organization or one-off, um, or even if just as an individual university, right? There's a level of innovation, thought leadership, expertise that we can bring to help you as a university attack that. Um, and so finding the right way to say at any given university, we might have 10 different stakeholders from across our business lines that have relationships and expertise how do we bring that together? And so we're really working to say, this isn't about Learfield IMG College Multimedia Rights Business Unit. This isn't about CLC or PACIO and our sidearm. This is about an integrated approach to bring the best of what we know on some of these topics to universities and making sure that we're ready to act whenever, um, you know, whenever universities are ready to act. Yeah, I think that's a good transition in the fan base, right? Fan base is kind of the, or one of the ways that this comes to fruition, right, is because you're able to aggregate particularly audience data across multiple different schools and start to provide insights. So you talked about it before in terms of, um, you know, what fan base is and what it does. But one of the things I thought that was particularly interesting is what you said, one, that it was started kind of right as the pandemic was starting, uh, but two, um, that it is, a, you know, from our research and some of the things we've talked about, it's a revenue-oriented product, right? It's data to generate revenue. So can you talk a little bit more about how, you know, you've been able to use Fanbase, where it started from, what it looks like now, and how you're able to scale the product so quickly, particularly given the COVID uh, situation and dynamic. Absolutely. Well, I, I think what's, um, what you just said, is, and, um, you know, I, I, I think this is one of the reasons that just as we've become friends and got to know each other that um, lies at the center of block six. And this is why I think our conversations have resonated so much is that um, data for data's sake doesn't help. And dashboards just for the sake of having something that's visualized and cool and fancy to yeah. look at, it doesn't actually help. And so um, fan base was built on this premise that we do truly believe the next wave of growth in college sports is going to be led by data. 
and the use of data. And so, again, coming as someone who didn't grow up in the world of college sports, haven't been in it for a decade, I've worked with a lot of really kind of Fortune 100 companies that are doing cutting edge things with data and, and multi-billion dollar organizations um, that are doing a lot of things. There's, there's room for sports to do more. And I think anybody who works within the data ecosystem within sports business says, you know, we're probably as an industry not at cutting edge compared to what's happening in consumer marketing for, for different, um, you know, for e-commerce, for example. And so how can we as an industry take that advantage um, that, that there's so much opportunity and really try to harness that? And so um, with, with fan base in particular, I think what, what we have, we've taken that nugget of the fact that we believe data can power growth. And I think the reason it just makes so much sense for Learfield Avenue College to be a leader in the space, where historically, you know, self-admittedly, we hadn't been a leader in the space, is because of the way that our business partnerships are structured, they're truly structured as partnerships. And so as a university, if you work with a different data provider, and there are plenty of other data providers and data partners besides Learfield Avenue College um, and fan base, we're not a kind of holistic full service offering. There are plenty of great partners that we always refer our clients to. If they ask us to do something, we're not well equipped to do. But one of the advantages we have is the fact that our partnerships are directly set up to help monetize the existing revenue levers that universities have. And so you think about deploying data to drive multimedia rights. Well, great. We're, we're multimedia rights partners for the majority of, of large universities. You think about utilizing data to power your licensee ecosystem. Awesome. We're set up to do that directly with CLC. You think about selling tickets or driving donations. Um, we're set up to do that with Pacquiao and Ticket and Seat Solutions. Where you think about engaging fans digitally, either through social activations or with your official authentic website or game day mobile apps. We're set up to do that with Sidearm, with a lot of our MMR product components. And so um, fan base being at the center of those businesses where we can connect, and aggregate, and then help utilize and empower, um, I think is really what helps set fan base apart and why we've had some success we've had so far. Um, you know, we, we always joke about fan base being a startup within Louisville Energy College, and it truly is. Like we're, we're a startup within a much larger company and we're doing something new and innovative and figuring out which walls do we need to break down and which ones do we need to go around. Um, and it's been a fun journey, but it's all rooted in that principle of if at the end of the day, I can create a great looking dashboard, then I've failed. But if at the end of the day that there's some visualization, visualizations help, and we all know it. If that visualization can be harnessed in a way that drives a business decision, maybe all of a sudden we start targeting different zip codes because we know something about those zip codes for fans we want to engage with. Or maybe we realize that, hey, you know, in a, in a, hopefully post-COVID world or at least post-pandemic world, how do we um, start engaging with fans physically on development roadshows and tours that happen across a lot of our rural states? How do we help provide guidance on where you should go and what kind of fans exist in those pockets for your university? Or even, you know, especially from the digital marketing side, there's long been a problem in collegiate athletics to say that a fan of Michigan who lives in LA mm -hmm. It's, they're still a yeah. Michigan fan and they love right. Michigan. And same thing for, um, you know, the UCLA fan who lives in New York City or for the Rutgers fan who lives in South Carolina. And so using data to help 
find solutions to connect those fans who still want to be engaged. They may not be the one who's going to buy a season ticket. It doesn't make sense, but they sure could be the one that signs up for newsletters or participates in contests or, you know, consumes information and engages with the university in ways that, you know, perhaps you know, the ecosystem has struggled to enable with in the past. Yeah, I think that's a good, well, you know, actionable intelligence is something that we talk about a lot, as you mentioned, you know, in our conversations. Uh, you mentioned before specifically about, well, we may want to target a 24-year-old different than a 64-year-old, or we may want to target somebody living near the school differently than somebody who's living, you know, uh, 75 miles or out from the school. So how big of a shift was that for your properties? How big of a shift was that kind of thinking about data, thinking about promotions and customizing promotions and data or I should say promotions and marketing using data in the ways that drive revenue in the ways that you've talked about. Yeah. Well, it's, what's really interesting. And, and I've, um, I've, I've talked with well over a hundred schools in the last year and, and varying levels of kind of anywhere from university level and chief information security officers and legal counsel all the way to um, data analysts and interns within specific departments and kind of all the levels in between. And what's interesting is that there's a really wide disparity of capabilities across college sports. And so we have many Learfield Diamond College partners um, who are very sophisticated for what they're doing in data compared to the rest of the universities. And so we've got you know, plenty of universities who they have a, a person or two who really know the data space and do a great job at managing, but they're short staffed. They haven't gotten the investment they need to kind of take it to the next level. And so um, all the way down to universities who are maybe just starting that journey to figure out how to even harness the power of data to engage those fans who kind of we know are out there, but we don't have a great way to proactively communicate with them. And so I think what's been neat about Fanbase is we found a way to come alongside wherever that stage in the journey is of those schools to say, hey, you're doing some amazing things with data here's where we think fan base can be additive. Um, and in some cases, right, the idea of, you know, using, uh, you know, information about a fan to provide custom offers, you know, creative to different segments of, of markets you engage with, that's not rocket science. It's not brand new. It's nothing that Learfield Avenue College came up with. But for many places, you know, even who are already doing that, we're providing new pieces of data to help refine the segmentation of the lead scoring that they're doing. And in other places, again, you, you have conversations with universities, and it's not that it's a new concept, but it's a, hey, we've never gotten to that point, and man, it would be awesome to start working with you to do that, and kind of all the scope and areas in between. And so um, I think that's, that, that's been really part of the evolution of you do see this wide dis discrepancy. And I, and I think if I can talk about the industry a little bit, what I've seen historically, a lot of the data kind of providers, um, you know, who have, who have come to market, not from the standpoint of an integrated media technology company that's got partnerships, but from a, we're here to sell you, you know, a service offering, uh, you know, a, a standalone data and service offering, which you can use to do these other things, have historically targeted the higher end of the market and or had solutions that are pretty expensive and required lots of investments. and so. We've, we've had to say, of, is there a way that we can approach the market in a way that we really democratize data and the use of it, no matter whether you're at one of those leading power five institutions or whether you're at a smaller division one um, where you just haven't been able to make the investment. Um, so lots, lots, of, uh, lots of change, but some, you know, some really amazing partners that we've got a chance to work with who are at really all different stages in the journey. 
Yeah, and can you talk about how you scaled this up, particularly in the current environment? You know, you mentioned being a startup, uh, which I, it's, you know, we talk about that a lot in our class about entrepreneurship, how you kind of start building businesses within larger companies. Um, and you went, you said from, I think, three schools to 95 schools in a very short amount of time. So and you also talked about data cleaning, which obviously we can talk about it probably offline since it's not something I'm not sure the audience wants to get into. But that is a you know a big part of it is data collection, just literally data collection, aggregation while you're scaling up a business. That I think is applicable to the audience. So you just talk about what it was like to kind of grow and scale this business, particularly given what's going on externally with COVID. Man, it's, uh, it's been a wild ride. There was a, there was a period. <laughs> For the summer, and I, I think you know many folks across business in general, especially you know sports business, can relate to this. Where it's a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of conversations, and um, many days this summer where I might have had four or five schools one-hour conversations with. Um, not to mention all the other things happening. And so, um, what's been neat about this, and and obviously, there, I think we we all would agree there are certain positive things that have come to the world because of the pandemic, and one of those, right, and then always trying to be an optimist who says, hey, there's a lot of hardship for people. There's personal sadness and grief. And, you know, I, I wasn't exempt from that. And, and very few people were exempt from that. When you look across what's happened, um, there were some really positive outcomes. And one of those in college sports was this recognition of we've got to get better at engaging with fans outside of game day. We've got to get better at our digital offerings. We've got to get better at knowing our audience. Um, and that really struck a nerve, particularly in the climate of, man, are we going to have college football? And there was a long period where we didn't know if we'd have it. Um, same thing was said for basketball. Um, and so um, in that kind of environment, I think it brought, it brought a lot of um, really clarity to different universities to say, we're not as far along with this as we think we could or should be. And fan base is something, maybe it's not the, the perfect end-all be-all, maybe it's not the only solution you'll ever need, but it's a step in the right direction. And so um, there were a lot of kind of uh, grassroots conversations and discussions. And so one of the benefits, again, about being the enterprise we are, there's very few universities where we don't have existing relationships with. And then the trust and the credibility of working, someone who's worked with host communications all the way up to now, Leader for the Ivy College, or someone who's worked with CLC when it was CLC, or then went to Learfield Licensing, or you know, was collegiate licensing company, or back to CLC, and all the the mechanisms and journeys in between. So my team really benefited from a lot of that enterprise trust, um, just to have the conversation. And again, I, I come back to keep using that word partnership. Just the way that we've structured our business just made sense to say we're not here to try to take a bite out of your budget and sell you something new, we're here to say, we believe this solution is gonna help power the solutions we you already entrust to us and that we have good partnerships with. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of conversations with universities, I never imagined I would talk to so many information security officers <laughs> um, and, and uh, lots of discussions to make sure everybody just feels comfortable that, you know, we're, we're staying up to date on all the privacy standards. We're abiding by everything that you as a university would want to make sure is done with the collection and use of your fan data. Um, and then we're providing a service to you and to fans that just enriches the experience. And, and, and that just requires lots of conversations and answering questions. And um, it, would, it would be a shame if it didn't require so much just because it shows how much universities really care about the ways that they can take the power of athletics to reach and engage with fans. 
Yeah, and we've talked a lot about internal stakeholders, whether it's Learfield or your college properties. The one area we haven't talked about as much is potentially external stakeholders, particularly the partners of universities and colleges. So kind of what's been, as you've thought about these projects and whether it's, you know, NIL or gaming or esports or, or corporate partnerships or fan base, what's been the interaction with external, you know, the external parties, the partners, and how, in particular, how they looked at the data that you guys are presenting um, and, and leading with data as part of these overall kind of interactions with the colleges and universities. Yeah, I think probably one of the, the the richest parts of my job over the last year is I've I've talked to you know a hundred folks who work in core athletics with data and and um, and analytics, and some of those individuals are dedicated and they manage their team's CRM system or their data warehouse. Some of them wear hats within marketing or ticketing. Um, or, you know, within revenue engagement or whatever kind of external operations unit of the athletics department, um, as well as the kind of broad um, array of kind of, we call it ecosystem partners with data and analytics partners that we work with that, um, that also help provide solutions. It's been really fun to get to know that because um, in those conversations, as, as I mentioned, there's a, there's a, um, there's, there are a lot of individuals that are incredibly sharp, who have been working in the landscape, who understand the existing data, the limitations of that data, things that have been tried in the past, partners that have worked with, and just can bring a wealth of knowledge to that conversation. And so um, I think in the external conversations, right, so engaging directly with schools and, and my fan base, we have a client success team that works hand in hand with different universities. It's been really rewarding. Um, there's a particular university that we've, you know, that has really leaned in the fan base, and we've had a chance to do um, some really creative lead scoring for their development campaigns. And so, um, not just saying let's go after the folks who are going to give five million dollars or more for big capital projects, but actually, well, let's think about how do we engage with the, you know, mid-career individual who, you know, maybe is already purchasing tickets and there's an associated donation, but we have reason to believe they've got a higher capacity to give or the individual who is not currently engaged, but we think they might be the right type of individual. Um, and then having that back and forth conversation, getting into the weeds, um, again, with the amazing partnership of Pacquiolan and their marketing team with fan-based data, that's been really rewarding to have those conversations and to see how those campaigns have really led to some big wins for universities, both on the ticket, excuse me, on the ticket sales side, whether you know, Learfield Avenue College is directly selling tickets or we're just enabling with our software. And on the development side, which in many cases is, you know, done by a university development officer, and that's not actually, you know, direct business tie in with Learfield. Um, so it's, it's been a lot of fun to have those conversations and um, amazing people that I've really enjoyed getting to know. So a couple more questions as we uh, head towards the end of the podcast. Uh, First one is kind of a future-oriented question. One of the things I saw recently and part as part of the research for the podcast is, you know, you guys are more and more frequently leaning into predictive analytics and predictive modeling. Can you talk more about your efforts, particularly um, whether it's with ticketing or donations or sponsorship, how you guys are thinking about predictive modeling and predictive analytics as a way, in particular, to focus on revenue generation and better engage with target audiences to maximize revenue generation? Yeah. Well, I mean the. I think if, if you think about the, you know, the, the gold standard of analytics, it's certainly amazing to be able to look at what has happened and try to have an understanding, okay, that happened because of this or related to this. Um, but in a perfect world, right, in, in so many disciplines, 
the whole goal of data science is to say, can we look at something that's happened historically or is happening live or some leading indicators to be able to say, what do we think will happen? And if we can gain enough confidence in our model development and the data sets that we have to be able to, with some level of accuracy, again, nobody can really perfectly read it. <laughs> and, you know, you go back to some of your um, economic classes, the external market shocks that happen that you have to account for real time. Um, that's the goal of what to be able to do with data. And so that means if we think, you know, the, the information we brought together to say, these types of fans, you're going to have more success if you go have a conversation with them about development or you put a safety offer in front of them because of that. And so based on the ability to run data sets, to put, uh, you know, to, to you know, put campaigns out there with reasonable confidence, we can more and more predict how the media dollars that we might spend, a brand might spend, the university might spend to get in front of the fans, whether that offer is just purely brand building or it's transactional in nature of driving to generate a lead or to purchase a ticket or whatever the use case might be, we've got more confidence in the outcome that we can help drive. And so um, you may have been referencing a, an, an article that um, our director of data analytics, a, a guy named Ashik, who's just a brilliant data scientist and, and leads a team of data analysts, data scientists that that um, help look at a lot of the data that we have. They're really focused on a variety of things, but one of those things, I'm thinking about how can we look at ticket prices and what's happening in both you know the primary market, which is obviously when schools issue tickets from their official you know provider, Pacquiolan, or in some cases Ticketmaster, Audience View, Access, et cetera. Um, as well as the secondary market. When you look at things like StubHub, um, Vivid Seats, whatever, you know, other places where there's tickets, how can you help, how can we help the university know and understand more about what's going to happen? And so that you can at least have the information as a university to figure out how you want to price, um, how you want to bundle across different offerings, even if your goal may not always be to maximize revenue. Um, and so just knowing and understanding that is, is uh, it's been a lot of fun, but um, in the spirit of, you know, predictive analytics, it's really all about, can we harness the power of what's happened, some leading indicators that signal to us that something else likely will happen with some level of confidence, and then um, leverage that insight to help our partners make wise decisions about what they should do with pricing or, um, you know, how they should you know, monetize some part of their business in a, in a different and more efficient way. Yeah, I think there's a lot more we can discuss and then we'll have to have you back on the next podcast for predictive analytics and sports. But as we're running towards the end of time, we want to get one last question in, which is a question we ask all of our guests, which is we have a lot of students who listen to the podcast. They're kind of not far from where you were a couple of years ago. They're looking either to enter the sports industry or progress in the sports industry. So do you have any advice for our students about how they can maximize their opportunity to um, you know, make progress or get into the industry and make progress in the industry. So they're working on the types of uh, projects and engagements that you're working on now. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, well, it's it's one of those things where I don't know that I have a lot of advice about how <laughs> to uh, get into the industry right out of college because that's a path I didn't take and, and I kind of fortuitously found myself here. Um, but what I would say is that if you're one of those individuals who is blessed to say, I've got conviction, this is an industry that fascinates me and I want to be in that industry, um, then I just encourage you, you know, do it and find a way uh, to start, even if it's not the dream role or even if it's not the, the, the kind of ideal place you thought you would start. I think if, if you work hard 
if you bring your best self to work, if you, um, you know, think strategically, like good things will happen and doors will open. And, and I think I've seen that in a lot of um, people who have mentored me and in my own life and in others who, who I've been able fortune to mentor. Um, but the biggest thing is probably even not even sports specific. It's that um, the biggest thing, the lesson that I learned as a McKinsey business analyst and, you know, McKinsey's a fast paced environment and you're expected to learn. And there's, there's a lot of demands on you as an individual who, you know, if you're 22 and you come out of school and you don't really know how to be a professional. McKinsey is amazing. You know, I always call it a leadership factory and it's a chance mm-hmm. to help take someone, you know, who, who's new. The biggest lesson that I learned from one of my engagement managers there was to say, I always had this mindset and I don't know why it was kind of groomed maybe from school. Um, whatever my boss asked me to do, I would do the best job that I could. And then I'd go back to them and I'd say, hey, what else should I do? Um, great. And then I'll go do that. And I'll come back and say, what else do you want me to do? And I had this mindset that working and being a professional meant you just try to do whatever your boss asks and do it with excellence and you know, let them know if you have help. But that's kind of your role. And what I quickly learned at McKinsey what it really taught me that I think will be valuable for, for your students is that no, actually, in most cases, your boss is, is actually looking to you to say, what do you think would be the next best thing to do? What are your ideas? What's your recommendation? What if I'm out sick tomorrow? And like, you are you going to waste a day? Or what would you propose to do? And that bringing that level of thought leadership, taking that ownership of your, you know, your role, you know, obviously, while always you know, making sure you have good upward management and you communicate, you don't just do things without confirming <laughs> thing to do, that, that would be a no-no. Um, but really thinking of like, how do you say the same way that you've always decided when you needed to study for a test, we've always decided like, okay, I got to get my resume in order for this next thing I want to apply for. That level of ownership, for me, some reason, and, and I was I was young and, and not the brightest, I guess, I, it just didn't translate. And so I learned that lesson at McKinsey, and I think that's been super valuable. Um, and something that has served me well and has served others well, and just realizing, you know what, there's a level of ownership. Um, and, and in many cases, the, the role that you're asked to take by individuals, by your bosses, uh, is to play that role. And if you find yourself in a situation where that's not the role or your boss is open to or excited, then it's a good chance to really think about whether that's the type of role you want to be in or the type of company um, that, that you want to work in if it's not pushing you um, to try to, you know, use that thought leadership to, to do things better. Uh, I do think that that's a great advice. It's something we tell our students all the time is what are you doing to benefit um, senior leadership or what are you doing that's differentiated, unique, that's adding value in tangible ways. And typically exactly what you're saying is your boss well, obviously wants you to do uh, the work is to add value to what they're doing and provide insight analysis, recommendations, help that, you know, uh, help them kind of improve what they're doing and help the overall organization. So I think it's a great piece of advice. And like you, I came from outside the sports industry, inside the sports industry. And I think that's a pathway that a lot of our students are following as well. So uh, Matt, thank you for the time. Thank you for the uh, insights. Thank you for the information. Um, we very much appreciate having you on the podcast. Thanks so much, Adam. Appreciate it. Uh, take care.